0: And we can push ourselves to think about whether the things that we are creating are they creating more belonging or are they inadvertently creating othering
1: this is skilled by design a podcast for experienced designers and product managers that want to deliberately grow their skills and become better humans in the process i'm your host tommy bay And today I'm talking with Dr. Susie Wise. She is a designer and educator based at the D School at Stanford, where she has been involved from the beginning. And we'll let her tell us more about that. But thank you so much, Susie, for taking some time to talk to me.
0: Thank you so much, Tommy, for having me. I'm excited for the conversation.
1: I am too. Today is a big day because Susie is releasing a book it's called Design for Belonging, How to Build Inclusion and Collaboration in Your Communities. I've had a chance to look at this book. It's, it's beautiful and great content. So congratulations. Thank you so much.
0: I'm really excited about it. I'm a tool builder as well as a designer and educator. So I really made this book to be useful to all kinds of different people. So I'm hoping that's the case. And also shout out to Rose Jaffe, who did the incredible illustrations.
1: Yeah, they are really cool. Today, you might've guessed from the title of her book, but we we're going to talk about belonging and some of the skills involved in belonging. But before we get into that, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the D-School for anybody who doesn't know about it?
0: Sure, great. So the D-School is an interdisciplinary institute at Stanford University. It was started, you know in the 2004 to 2006 zone. It's hard to precisely get its, you know, inception point because it was brewing. Uh, design had been a tradition at Stanford for a really long time, sitting at the intersection of art and engineering. But around, you know kind of the turn of the century, let's say, David Kelly, who also founded IDEO, the design firm, was really starting to get asked to talk about design in different places around campus. So he was getting called to the Graduate School of Business, but also to the Medical School and the Law School. And he was noticing this interest in how the skills, as you talk about, the skills and practices and ways of being in design could be useful in other disciplines. So he was intrigued by that. And then other educators, as well as students, importantly, at Stanford were really interested in the kinds of immersive experiential learning that we are starting to offer. Um, So it was created as this interdisciplinary institute. It means that students from all seven schools, as well as now increasingly undergrads, get to take courses at the D school, which makes it really interesting because it means that in every class your teams are interdisciplinary. And that is, of course, a driving force behind creativity and design. And it also, to your point about skills, it kind of sets you up to need to build your human skills to be Mm -hmm. able to function as part of interdisciplinary teams.
1: I love that you uh, call them uh, human skills. I'm hearing more and more it's, it's human skills or power skills or uh, you know, real skills. What a fun thing to like, be involved in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'll say in the early days, so I was at Stanford and I was taking the product design courses as part of working on my doctorate. And so that's how I kind of fell into the crew of folks that were starting to build the d-school. And I found that I had a background in software before going to graduate school, working on game design and developing software in the museum field and i had a kind of intuitive way that i worked that was grounded in what i would learn to call human-centered design Mm. Um, but i had never called it that and i hadn't been formally trained so discovering this method that is empathy driven focused on prototyping learning with and from people in the real world felt really resonant for me and I just I wanted to be a part of it. And since I was in the Graduate School of Education, I ended up founding and leading the K-12 lab where we looked beyond the walls of Stanford but really started to think about how design thinking and the methods and practices that we were building at the D school, how they could start to show up in K-12 classrooms and whole schools across the country.
1: Uh, speaking of belonging and being able to, to find a place and and build some community there. Very
0: yeah, nice. I, and, and you're exactly right. It was kind of that embrace for me of like, wow, these are people that move in ways that I like to move and that want to support creative work yeah. in ways that I want to support it. And I, almost, I I honestly think that part of founding the K-12 Lab was for me, little bit a nod to my eighth grade self i was a project-based kid who kind of couldn't sit still in class and so it was often like outside of class you know running the canned food drive or planning events or working even back then on racial equity challenges and those kinds of projects really spoke to me in a way that just sitting in class was difficult and so discovering the framing of design thinking and human centered design. I wanted to support schools to, to get young kids working in these ways. And that was really the founding kind of insight and, and push of creating the K-12 lab at the D school.
1: Uh, and that kind of leads us into your, your book. So tell us a little bit about your book.
0: Yes, so the book, as you said, it's designed for belonging, how to build inclusion and collaboration in your communities. And the notion for me really sets at the intersection of design and belonging that we wanna focus on belonging in our work, in this world, in these moments. And you know, for the foreseeable future, we have both forces of othering and forces of belonging. And my push is to say, to designers, and by designers, I might mean humans, Hmm. but you know, in the professional world, designers of all kinds, whether you're a product designer, a UX designer, a product manager, or you're just a manager and a leader in another kind of organization, not even necessarily focused on software, belonging is this human need. And we can push ourselves to think about whether the things that we are creating, are they creating more belonging or are they inadvertently creating othering? And if we focus on our responsibility for the outcomes of our designs, it helps us to tune into that. Belonging is a human emotion. It's a human feeling that we need to thrive. And so I, this book is in a way an encouragement to folks to really take up belonging as a thing that matters.
1: And clearly it does matter. I think, I think that resonates, I hope, with, with all of us. It, it kind of makes me think a little bit about imposter syndrome, that, that it's kind of along those, those lines that I, I hear about that a lot more and more these days. And, and I think belonging can help combat some of those uh, feelings of, of being an imposter in a space
0: you're you're absolutely right an imposter syndrome or sometimes called stereotype threat can be really detrimental it takes you out of the game sometimes just at the moment when what's needed is for you to lean in so there's there's learning research that shows that you can actually trigger the response to for people to to feel like they don't belong And that's really detrimental. In as much as that can happen, you can also really use environmental cues in all kinds of different ways to help people know that they are welcome, that their identities are sought after, in fact. So that's one of the things I I am trying to share in the book that you can, the the framework of the book is uh, feeling, seeing, and shaping belonging. So one of that first piece feeling is this is a human feeling. It's actually a human need. And we can recognize that and work with it. Seeing it, and this kind of gets to experience design, seeing it is actually about thinking about all the moments in a community or in an organization or in a team that could be oriented towards belonging. And then the notion of shaping is bringing up those design frames or design levers, if you will, what are all the things that we could design for any given experiential moment? Of course, if you're designing software, then you might be limited to designing within software, but bigger picture, you can also ask the questions of, could we be designing space or role or ritual? Could we be thinking more deeply about communication or storytelling? What's the role of food or gear or time or schedule? And I think these all actually have analogs, if you will, in the digital world as well.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting concept to think about how that all relates. Okay, so feeling, seeing, and shaping. And of course, when I saw those, those are action words, which means uh, that there's a skill that can be developed there. So tell us, so you've kind of... Uh, Dug in a little bit to feeling, but, but tell us about that as, as something that can be uh, developed.
0: Yeah. So part of that is the paying attention, which I think comes from design. It's the orientation to say, wow, what in this context is somebody feeling? I want to pay attention to that and notice. Is it moving towards belonging? Or is it moving towards what we some, I sometimes call out as the opposite of belonging, which is othering, being made to feel that you're not wanted or that you're not meant to be included here. Um, so paying attention to the feeling situates you to how are you and others doing in this particular space? It's really important. And ultimately, when we think about experience design, we have to remember that we're, that's ultimately the outcome of whatever is created are a set of feelings in the real world. And so it makes a ton of sense to pay attention to that. And, and so I would say from a skills perspective, the, the core piece there is, is the paying attention skills. Sometimes I call that notice and care, right? Mm-hmm. There's the noticing, but then there's also the following through to care about what the outcome actually is, is really yeah. important.
1: I like that. There, there are so many skills that fall into that umbrella of caring that, that we don't think about a lot, but it's it's true. Uh, you have to make that decision to like, okay, I noticed, but I care enough to now do something about that.
0: Yes. In, in some spaces, the word empathy can get overused. I think it's still a really important word. And I like to add the word care. It's it's a very direct word and it points you to your own humanity, which matters in reminding people to feel into whatever moment they're designing. How, how does it strike? I know that you work in this space. What yeah. does it sound like or how do you take up the idea of feeling and what that might look like in the kind of work that you do?
1: Yeah, it's that's a great question. I I see it in in two major pieces, the first would be in trying to empathize with my end user or our customers, we're in business, but we are doing something for someone else for this other group and being able to, to feel what they're feeling or, or, you know, to, to think about if we're inviting them to, to belong to something, you know, the bigger picture type of thing. But then there's also the community community of our workspace, of our teams and
0: mm-hmm. how we
1: are going to work together to build something. And uh, so, how, yeah, how do I see that playing out is a, is a good question. I, I think uh, right now we, we are growing um, and I think a lot of people are probably in situations where, where their organization is growing or maybe they've gone through a merger or uh, there's a lot of you know, dynamics in their space and And there's lots of opportunity to feel out are we are we belonging? like are we creating a space where we're inviting people in and saying, be a part of what we're doing?
0: Yeah, that's right. I think of it now too, in this moment of hopefully emerging from pandemic times mm-hmm. and questions around returning to work or in relationship to the great resignation the the way in which people are questioning the value of work and and how we work together. I think we have an interesting moment to dig into the how of how we work together. It's not just about like, are you remote or not? It's actually how do we get to work together no matter what platform we're using or whether we're in a conference room together, the how and ensuring that we feel into that Again, back to the feeling that we feel into the how of working together and are able to say what is and isn't working. That in some ways is an interesting measure of belonging. I talk about it a little bit in the book as one of the important moments of belonging is what you might call a moment of dissent or another way to say it is a moment of feedback. How do we raise our hand and say Gosh, actually, this isn't working for me on this team or in these ways that we're working. That's a really interesting measure of belonging because you're not going to raise an issue if you don't feel like there's something there that you're wanting to be a part of and potentially improve.
1: Huh? Yeah, it's a little uh, paradoxical, right? Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, I think it's a right. I think it's an interesting thing to think about, and it's a measure of. It can be a measure of commitment, but it also can be a measure of the awareness of the organization as a whole to take up any kind of feedback, positive or negative, and be able to work with it in a straightforward way.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so how does this relate to seeing? What's the difference between the feeling and the seeing?
0: Yeah, so you start with the feeling, and then the seeing is the opportunity to say, what kinds of moments are there where people are feeling more or less belonging to name it in its specificity. So I think of one of the important skills actually in the seeing is being really concrete about what you're seeing and what kind of a moment it is. So that's bringing forward the notion from experience design that we have a kind of whole journey in an organization. We can think about some important moments and in the chapter about seeing, it is really about the kinds of moments that we can pay attention to. Some jump right out, like the welcome or the entry or the joining. We're oftentimes paying attention to those kind of moments to see how people feel. But there are other moments too the how do you grow? How do you persevere? What does flow look like? I love the notion of flow from Chixit Mahai that sense of being in the work in a particular way, paying attention to when you feel that is really interesting and going after seeing into the moment of when are people in flow, what's present there, what was designed there to help make that happen can be really powerful.
1: So it's, it's observing what is, what is actually happening. Yes.
0: And, and, and the, and using them, those moments that you're seeing into to get really concrete about what, what dynamics are present. You may be looking even into what skills are present, what tools are present. You can look at it at any moment and a lot of different levels. Uh And then that sets you up to do that third piece. If we're thinking feel, see, shape to then shape because you can say, wow, this particular moment, the moment of flow, we thought we were flowing and then it fell off. What happened? What shaped that? And here I'm helping to open up kind of the toolkit of design to say, there's so many things that you can do to shape those moments. As leaders, folks often defer to sending an email not knocking email, where would we be without email, right? You and I would not be having a conversation if email hadn't been part of it, but it's just a tool. It's not the answer to our design dilemma. There's so many more things that we can think about. Role, ritual, space. And that looks like using something like a new ritual, something as simple as a check-in question at a meeting. Doesn't mean you have to get rid of the meeting, but if you've identified from inquiring about people's feelings that this particular meeting really doesn't work for new people to our organization or team, then dig into it. Try something new. Try a check-in question to humanize that meeting as a way to help people show up as their whole selves. Part of getting to belonging is really getting to people, getting to be their whole selves. And you want that if you're a leader.
1: For sure, that would be, yeah, that would be a great skill to have, to to know how to get people to show up. Yeah, a lot of what you're saying feels like a framework that can easily be applied to the research that uh, is already being done or, or that we, feel like should be uh, happening <laughs> as as we're trying to build things. Like what we would typically call like UX research of going out and and doing uh, both quantitative and and qualitative research to to understand a space. and then once you have ideas using those same methodologies to go out and check your work essentially.
0: Yes, absolutely. The framework draws on those core tools that come from design, which I do think are about paying attention, understanding really what's happening in any given moment, and then being able to shape what you hope to see, and always paying attention to that what the outcomes are.
1: I feel like there are a lot of conversations about, yeah, just output versus outcome, and you know caring enough to to go and see if if there was a good outcome not just yes
0: Uh, right that that's the nudge that i'm hoping to provide with this book is to say designers have a responsibility to go beyond mere outputs to understand what the outcomes of our work are
1: we need that call to action i think
0: yeah. I'm I'm hoping that it resonates, because to your point, this work is drawing on some of the moves and orientations that folks trained in design have, the paying attention, the leaning in, the identifying, and then the creating something to see if you can shape the environment. Again, whether that's within software or in the physical world, mm-hmm. you're wanting to shape something. And then it's adding that next piece of going even further to say like, what happens from what we created? Did this software make people feel more alienated or more whole?
1: Yeah, I, that's great. I was just going to ask uh, kind of to loop back to the othering concept of, you know, what are, what are the things to, to be aware of? How, how do you check yourself to make sure that you aren't othering when you're trying to create belonging.
0: Yes, that's the important piece to work on, which is to say at whatever stage in the process you are and with what you've created, what is the experience? And there you can use some of the classic design tools. You can use an emotional journey map. You can use an interview protocol to inquire and understand where are people's highs and lows what kind of, and what is happening in some of the emotional lows is there an identity threat that's pushing someone to think ooh this is not for me we want to understand that
1: that's fascinating stuff it's such a great such a great topic and yeah i guess to to kind of wrap things up what what advice after hearing all of that what advice would you give somebody who says yeah i want to I wanna create more belonging and I, I wanna do these things. Uh, I wanna develop these skills. What would you suggest that, that we could do today to, to start us on that journey?
0: One of the tools in the book that I really love that I would suggest for anybody to use as a starting point is actually to look to yourself and do a map of the places and spaces that you are in in your own life. So whether that's in your town, your job, places you are with your family, to map where are the places where you feel strong belonging and where are the places where you don't so much. And then dig into those places of belonging and look at what's actually being created there that is inviting you in, that's encouraging you to show up as your whole self or to give feedback when you need to. That self-reflection can be really powerful because once you start to see where belonging is and where it's not, then you can start to embrace that in the things that you're creating that are beyond yourself and your own life. I think tuning in to the feelings of belonging and not belonging in your own life really serves to open up this question, and then you can start to pay attention to it and the things that you're working on.
1: Oh, that's great. And I remember seeing that exercise in your book. Very cool. Very, very cool.
0: Yeah. there There are a bunch of different exercises in the book and for all of them, try them, you know, with yourself, think doing them actually, and then try them with others. And try them with others that you know really well, or some folks that you don't know as well, and start to see w- what kinds of patterns are emerging.
1: Wow, cool! That sounds sounds like something I want to do. All right, Dr. Susie, thank you. This has been so awesome. Uh, if people want to learn more about you and the stuff that you're doing, or they want to find your book, uh, how can they get a hold of you?
0: Yes, you can check out um, the Stanford d.school website, which is dschool.stanford.edu. Or you can check out my design for belonging website, which is just designforbelonging.com. Both of those are excellent. I'm also on Twitter at at Suzy Wise and on Instagram at, at Susie B. Wise.
1: Nice. Okay. Thank you again so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. And thanks to you, listeners, for joining us. Remember to share this episode with someone who would enjoy learning about the longing. And if you have a minute, you can rate the podcast as well. It helps others to find us. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Skilled by Design.